0: welcome to the all sooners podcast this is episode 200 and i believe 37 we'll see i'm starting to lose count uh the higher it gets tougher it gets to keep count with that thing right it is uh wednesday it is february 14th it is valentine's day you guys you all know that i love these guys that's ryan chapman in oklahoma city that's randall sweet also in oklahoma city And you know me, I'm John Hoover in Tulsa. You can tell already, if you're a podcast uh, listener of any regularity, you can tell that we're switching things up a little bit, starting with this week's podcast. We're going to talk more, ramble less. Uh, We're going to downsize from three segments to one. Uh, We'll see what the season brings. The season has always got way more content, but for this offseason, we're going to streamline your podcasting experience. So hope you like it. Lots to talk about today. Why? Because I had to miss last week. Uh, Mm -hmm. I came down Monday. This was so weird. Super sick. Like nobody knows why. I went to see two different doctors and they're all like running all kinds of tests and stuff. Found what they could consider a general respiratory virus. That's like, that's it. That's all we know. I'm Okay. Uh, And that was not what they know. It was just kind of what they thought because they couldn't figure it out. So anyway, what it amounted to was these guys working their butts off. And me being uh, in bed literally for three, three and a half days with fever and chills and lots of sleeping. It was like 48 consecutive hours of sleeping. It was pretty cool, actually, now that I think about it.
1: <laughs> Sounds nice for you. It, yeah. not the, the feeling bad part, the sleep part. <laughs> it was so
0: weird having those fevers and fever dreams and waking up and wondering where I was. It just sucks. Just hate being outside of myself like that. Anyway, healthy now for now. Yeah. Uh, and Ryan and Randall and hey, our new guy Bryce McKinnis. Thank you all for holding down the fort while I literally slept my life away, guys. What did I
2: miss? Oh, nothing really. Just kidding. You know, there's always something going on in the uh, in the OU world.
1: You missed the uh, the return of live blogs in the start of softball season, which kept me nice and busy all weekend yeah. long. Yeah,
0: check out the live blog when when OU plays a softball game, especially over on Sp- Flow Sports. Ryan is a live blogging fool, and uh, boy, that thing blew up. Uh, what was that? Have been Friday night? Yeah.
1: Crazy. crazy. But uh, it so anyway. sounds like a lot of you went out and about and said, "I'm not buying Flow. I'm going to enjoy yeah. my Friday night," which is totally fine. I'll watch the game so that you don't have to buy the whatever it is, and uh, just come hang out with us for Flow. It was a great.
0: To, it's a great package. You get a seven day trial, and they're only playing for four days. <laughs> you get to cancel after seven days, but like everybody else, I'm sure, like me. A lot of people out there forget to cancel and then they find a 1495 bill on their credit card in December for the last 11 months. And you're like, what the hell is this? So no, I do the same thing. Cancel.
1: I, uh, yeah. Plus <laughs> Mary Nutter is back on flow, not this weekend, but next weekend. So you next can't weekend. just fit all the softball into one free week track. Uh,
0: yeah. I don't think they're going to let you cancel uh, sign up and cancel twice. So vlogging <laughs> with Ryan is what we're going to call that. Let's talk some football. Uh, What do you guys think? We'll do a little catch up here because, again, we missed last week. Jay Nunez, special teams coach, leaves for Alabama. Um, What do you guys think? uh, What do you guys think there – is it a big hit? You know, year two under Jay Nunez did not produce a a whole lot of special teams greatness. But what is Oklahoma's answer?
1: Well, the answer is going to be, I would imagine, Zach Alley. If you sift through, what was his original title at Boise State? Special teams coordinator slash linebackers coach. So uh, it would not shock me if they come back through and just add that title afterward, and then you have a guy with a headset on the field that that helps that out. Because otherwise, if you look at it, what did Oklahoma special teams under Jay Nunez amount to? If you take away the two fake field goals from a year ago. Um, the kicking game has been awful in the field goal department. Michael Turk couldn't kick touchbacks. That never changed. All he could do was boot it. It took him half a year to figure out that plaster was not the answer to just give Elzinga the job. And other than that, you've got a punt return this year. And then Peyton Bowen's big plays came when he was freewheeling. That was not called special teams. That was player making a play blocking punts you had a key penalty in texas on the reverse that you try to get too cute you had uh the good play you had the fake punt at byu also a penalty they were awful s p plus they were one of the worst teams in the country i i no one should mourn the loss of jay yes. i don't know why alabama wanted him, frankly
2: and I won't I won't take too long, but it seems like even the returners were constantly muffing punts, and it wasn't just a Gavin Freeman issue. When they would take Gavin Freeman out after he muffed the punt, L.B. Bunkley Shelton would drop the ball or something like that. So it goes, I mean, deep into the returners and beyond, too.
0: Yeah, and their return game was better in year one under Brent uh, with Jay Nunez as the coordinator, but it got worse in year two. Uh, so, I mean, a lot of inconsistency, crazy inconsistencies. So, um. Yeah. My Ryan, my thinking is they're gonna bring in another uh, special teams analyst. They're gonna hire somebody. I think Allie's gonna be busy calling defenses. I think that's Brent's grand plan is to hand over the defense to him. And so he wants this young, impressionable coordinator to say to, to look around and be able to take stock of just the defense. In fact, I don't think he'll probably have a special teams unit if he does hire. Um, if he does hire an analyst and they do what they did this past couple of years, which is everybody's got kind of a, a unit, every coach on the full, every full-time position coach on the field has a special teams unit, kickoff, kickoff, return, punt, punt, return, extra point, whatever. So I think they'll stick with that model. I think Brent will do what's safe.
1: And either way, if you have Zach Galley, get that title and he's just your headset guy, you can still have an analyst that fills the exact same role that does a lot of the deep diving stuff. Or if you just want to go with the exact same model, and not have that applied to somebody uh, again, I I really don't think they lost much. Cause what was the big difference in the return game two years ago than last year? Well, Marvin Mims was at the pro bowl as a punt returner, and you lost him. How much that is that as on Nunez as opposed to just having Marvin Mims?
0: Yep. Yeah, Ryan, you uh, reminded me that the uh, the SEC Big Ten is uh, putting together a working model for basically for to be the standard for college football. Uh, they're going to put their heads together. They're going to decide what's best for everybody. Uh, they're going to decide what's best for them, and then everybody's going to follow. That's how that's going to work. Uh, but the uh, OU and Texas, man, they're uh, they have aligned themselves obviously with the new conference, the SEC. This is uh, potentially something that when you talk about separation. When you talk about uh big two conferences, for instance, um, the Big Ten and the SEC, this is something that Oklahoma does it bode well for for OU's future, or is there some uh, some warnings in there?
1: Well, I I think you want to be in the club, first of all. Yeah, and for I sure. was I was reading Ross Dellinger of Yahoo. He he had a big story talking about he was at Big Twelve Offices talking with Brett Yormark, and like he talked Brett Yormark, he talked to the AC commissioner and they're both like We believe that the Big Ten and the SEC are going to do what's best for college football. Keyword, we believe. Well, Oklahoma doesn't have to sit on the outside looking in anymore. Jokes are the Gets to call Greg Sankey. He gets to say, these are our concerns. This is what we want fixed. And OU is a voice in that working room. They don't just have to, fingers crossed, gosh, I hope that they're doing what's best for what's in our conference. They get to be involved. So you look at, and if we talk win totals here in a minute, is the road ahead going to be harder for Oklahoma? On the field, absolutely. But when you talk about all the the off-the-field stuff, I'm of the opinion you would rather be one of the voices in the room than one of the voices that's on the outside of the room just going, I really, really hope that what's best for us and what's best for Texas and what's best for the sport at large, I just hope that they're doing that same thing. They get to be actively involved, which is different. Oklahoma's not been that as we've entered this era where the SEC is so dominant with everything, decisions, top-down, all that stuff.
0: uh, Yeah. Greg Sankey uh humbly uh, he says it's kind of funny and kind of scares him a little bit how people think he is like in control of college football and has all the answers. Uh, I thought that was interesting but uh, but yeah he's going to put they're going to put their heads together with the with the Big 10 and come up with some answers for college football NIL wise. I mean look at what's going on with Tennessee. Uh, look at look at what's going on with uh, NIL um, nationwide and all the uh the things that we saw the last couple of weeks with NIL collectives and and crimson and cream and so on and so forth this may be i i don't know i don't know where college what college football is going to look like next year much less what it's going to look like 5 or 10 years down the road um but it's a uh i don't think it's going to resemble what we think we know about college football—it's going to look so much different that it's going to look like a different sport. Randall, what do you think?
2: Well, I think I, I agree completely, and I think that um, you know the ruling with what happened at Dartmouth recently. I think also kind of plays into yeah. that. Um, I don't remember exactly who, but some court or some ruling found that Dartmouth uh, men's basketball players are technically employees of the school, meaning
0: that the they can NLRB, National Labor Relations Board.
2: Yes, thank you. Um, found that uh, Dartmouth's men's basketball players are technically employees of the school, meaning that they can form a union, which obviously creates all sorts of other rabbit holes that we've never seen in college sports, right? That's more of a, uh, obviously, like it, it sounds to us like professional sports in that sense. And so I think um, that is just going to open the door for a world of new possibilities. Um, and I think it's hard for us to know exactly how that will affect college football. But I think you're right. I think that it's going to look uh, very different. And I think that um these small uh, well maybe not small but these steps that we're seeing now are um just inching us further and further closer to um college football changing.
0: Ryan, let's talk Super Bowl real quick. You're a, a noted Chiefs hater being a Raiders fan like you are, uh but uh four four Sooners get their get another Super Bowl ring, Wanya Morris gets his first. Um jeez. Blake Bell and and uh uh james winchester are now on their third so uh they're they're, and of course creed humphrey gets his second but they're populating the nfl rosters oklahoma is populating the nfl rosters with super bowl champs how about that
1: yeah back-to-back years oklahoma led the uh, active rosters in participants and whether it's obviously creed humphrey playing a key role in protecting patrick mahomes it turned into a special teams fiesta for a little bit there. So obviously James Winchester mattered. And then uh, arguably the most, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, but arguably the most impactful thing. Juan a. Morris was right there on the Gatorade dump. So what <laughs> it was full wall to wall all across the place. Blake Bell's kids getting featured on the NFL social media channels for just being cute as a button after the game celebrating. It was, OU infused all over the place. Uh, and then we just got to sit back and watch the Mahomes show there at the end, which was, uh, what what can you say? Who is it? The Substack that uh, popped it out there? Like since two thousand one, the getting the ball back, last possession down, and Mahomes is like seven for seven, and you're just like this. Yeah. This, this is the, stupid the league well. average is
0: the league average is like no Tom Brady is like forty percent. Yeah, <laughs> and Mahomes is seven for seven, and the league average is like twenty twenty. I can't remember. Uh, let me ask you guys this: Did you know the overtime rule? Yeah. Put yourself in Kyle Shanahan's shoes. Did you? Would you have coached that one correctly?
2: Uh, I can say probably not. Uh, I did not. I did not know the overtime rule in that um, if the quarter had ended, that they would have gone to another quarter. That that I did not know. Um, I, I I I knew that a touchdown on the first drive wouldn't end the game uh, in, uh, in the Super Bowl, but I, I did not know that, uh, they would have kept playing past the initial 15.
0: They were doing that little clock right at the bottom of the screen and a yeah, yeah. little rundown. And I'm like, uh, five, four, three, <laughs> <they never laughs> hurry, you know? And I was thinking the same thing. I didn't know that there was just, when he came out, when the referee came out, Vinovich came out and said, okay, guys, we're going to play another game. And I thought, duh, it's overtime. Yeah, me too. Another game. He meant four quarters if you have to with the halftime, and Usher's going to have yeah. to get back out there at the halftime show and do some more songs. I mean, <laughs> I didn't know that. I did. I thought when it hit zeros, if one team was ahead and one team was behind, or, uh, you know, that, that would be the end of the thing, that that was it. Or if it was still tied, which if they would have failed on third down or second down, had to kick a field goal, uh, get get the thing tied at the end of the game. I thought they were going to a second overtime, not a second quarter. I did not know that. Here I am, a lifelong football fan. I did not know that.
1: Did the lack of a two-minute warning not tip it off to you that, hey, in the first quarter, there's no two-minute warning? So that's why it wouldn't have mattered, obviously, because they were indoors. But think about it. If this had been the AFC Championship game or the NFC Championship game, both in outdoor stadiums, they needed to flip ends just in case you had a win situation with kickers, stuff like that. Uh, I mean, this shouldn't shock you though. Shanahan played a crucial role in the Falcons blowing that lead. Run yeah. the football, Kyle. He blew what a ten-point lead and somehow lost by eleven. The last time he was in the Super Bowl, it it is unshocking that Kyle Shanahan can't manage a clock.
0: We'll keep the uh, the NFL vibe going here. Um, Baker Mayfield MVP of the Pro Bowl, <laughs> of course, because of course because it's, it's Baker. Baker. Uh, and then uh, in the college game, as guys are building their NFL career. Spencer Rattler, MVP of the uh, of the Senior Bowl, that was that was a shocker to
2: me. And it, I think he just played like the first two series. I think he went what four for four, sixty plus yards and a touchdown. Yeah. Uh, so so you know, do a quick Spencer Rattler aside. When when uh, I was at in Orlando for the All American uh, High School All American game, I was talking to our guy Parker Thune, and we're watching and we're just talking about some of the pre draft process. And he and he we kind of talked about it, and he said you know, people are going to see Spencer Rattler throw the ball and he's going to just shoot up draft boards. Now it might not even take that because of the performance he had at the Senior Bowl. That coupled with when people watch him go through the on-field drills at the Combine or at his pro day, I mean, people are going to fall in love with the cannon for an arm he has because regardless of what his troubles were at OU, we always knew the arm strength was there. That was never, ever a question, and that's still there. NFL teams always, whether it's right or wrong, think that they can coach whatever's wrong with the guy out of him if he's got the physical talent which spencer rattler 100 has the physical talent and again it looked pretty good in the senior bowl
0: yeah he's got that he's got that little shred of um physical talent that's just so rare like adrian peterson gets out of the car he's got high tops on he gets out and runs a four or five you know like what you you just drove here from palestine texas and you run a four or five uh Rattler's going to roll out of bed at the combine. He's going to throw it 70 yards, and everybody's going to go, whoa, do you see that throw? You know, that's, that's that's what he does. That's his that's his thing. He's got that arm. Uh, more NFL. Sooner sending three to the combine. Should I say three offensive linemen? No Drake Stoops. What? <laughs> we got, what, Walter Rouse, Andrew Rame, and Tyler Guyton. We expected all three to be at the combine. I don't know how smart it is to not invite Drake Stoops.
1: You got three former Sooners in Rattler, Caleb Williams, and David Igwebu got an invite as well. But I, it's as simple as this. At the combine, at wide receiver and corner, more than anything else, they're looking for the freak show, right? Like they, they want to evaluate speed, all that stuff, as they're looking for the first-round guys and the guys that you're taking a shot on. In a weird way, Drake Drake's consistency, I think it like works against him in a just a combine yeah. setting. Yeah. You know what you're going to get with Drake Stoops when you turn on the film. I think there are going to be a ton of people that are going to be juiced to be at Pro Day and talk with Drake Stoops and stuff like that. I, I don't think, and again, it's not a shot at Drake. I don't think anyone's lined up to watch him run a cone drill. You know what I mean? Or, or the 40. And that's kind of what wide receiver at the combine specifically is. That's why Shrine Bowl, he goes and tears it up and everyone talks about it. That's why coming out of Pro Day, you're going to probably see a ton of scouts talking with Drake Stoops over there. Uh, they're gonna talk with Lincoln, they're gonna talk with Levy, they're gonna talk with Bob, all that. I just think that like if you just look at it in the combine, what do they want? This is Kelly Gregg says it best, it's the underwear Olympics. And and that's just not where Drake's draft value, uh, whether it's undrafted free agent, late round, that's just not where it lies, I think.
0: I think there's so much value in the the mental aspect of the combine that true, it's the underwear Olympics, and you want to see what a guy can vert and you want to see what a guy can broaden, you want to see how explosive he is, and you can get the same information, the same data at his pro day. So they're going to be here for his pro day, so he might as well leave him in Norman. But the opportunity to bring him in, you're talking about Bob Stoops' son, to bring him in, set him in the classroom, put him on a whiteboard and say, show me what you know about uh, zone coverage. Show me what you know about man coverage. Show me know what you know about combo, uh, about, uh, about uh, zero blitz. Show me what you know about hot routes here and hot routes there and who's going to, I want to see what this guy knows football wise and that combine you've got 4 days with him where you're meeting you got 2 days where you're meeting with a just meeting no no workouts um I would have thought that he would have been someone like a high value target Randall
2: well, and, and I, I, you know, I, I agree, especially with the name. You'd think that just the name would bring that uh, the attention, the brand to it. But and may, maybe it goes back to what Ryan said. You know that Drake Stoops is going to know all that stuff. You know that especially being a coach's son, a sixth year player at OU, a team captain. You know that that guy is probably going to have all those intangibles, all the IQ, all the intelligence, the football knowledge that you want. Um, and, and so I think um that Again, going back to what Ryan said, it does go back to you kind of know what you're getting from Drake Stoops. It's not going to be anything shocking, anything exciting. Um, and and I, while well, I agree that that's, I think, where Drake's going to excel, people, he's, coaches are going to love that he's a coach's kid. They're going to love the character, the work ethic, the knowledge. Um, but I think that that's something that, um, like Ryan said, since it's behind the scenes, since it's something that we already know about Drake, maybe the combine thought that, uh, like you mentioned, oh, we'll leave him in Norman, let the NFL teams go, uh, go to him there. That's maybe not who they were as interested in seeing at a combine setting. Um, you know, you mentioned a guy like David Igwebu who probably didn't have the same production that Drake Stoops did, but he's huge. I mean, he's a physical freak. He's uh, athletically. He's a great uh, athlete. He's a big guy. So it makes sense for a guy like that. Drake Stoops. Uh, while I I, it shocked me that he wasn't on there, too, I can I can understand um, why he uh, they left him for the pro day and not the combine.
0: What do you guys think of the um, the draft? King's FanDuel, FanDuel betting odds today uh, that came out about the the Heisman. If you want to get some early action on the Heisman, there are, I listed them, 13 quarterbacks. Uh, There's probably more than that. There's probably 500 players you could bet on. But uh, 13, the top 13 prospects are quarterbacks and ranked number 13 is one Jackson freaking Arnold. 13! 12 quarterbacks in the country have better betting odds right now for the Heisman than Jackson Arnold. You guys think that's all right? And seven of those are in the SEC.
2: I think that it hunkers back to just the last time we saw Jackson Arnold, his only start of the season. He turned the ball over four or five times. And, um, again, I know it was odd circumstances. You know, you're playing in the bowl game, you know, different offensive line, things like that. But still, if that's really the only thing that we've seen from him, um, and then, you know, previous to that was the BYU game, which he did some good things, but it wasn't an overwhelming performance – um, I think that it's that it's easy to, to look at that and say, well, we think that he'll probably be pretty good. The, the rating shows that there were moments that show it. But uh, in the the last two times we saw him, it was the whole uh, game wasn't um, Heisman worthy. And and so there is a ways to go, uh, obviously, I think, from what we saw in the in uh, the Alamo Bowl to you know being a Heisman front runner. And I think that that uh, reflects that there's a lot of uncertainty. We haven't really seen much of Jackson. Arnold, so it's really a big question mark. Uh, and I, I would have to look at the names above him, but I would imagine that at least a handful of those guys have played more college football than, than Jackson Arnold has.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. That's a good assessment. Ryan, your thoughts on uh, Jackson standing uh, unlucky number 13?
1: Yeah, it, it's a weird spot that I I almost think he would have been higher if he hadn't played in the Alamo Bowl, um, which the Alamo Bowl one game sample. It was great experience for Jackson. It doesn't mean that he's not going to be a Heisman Trophy winner. It doesn't mean that he will. Like, that's the sensible when you're looking at it. But just from a football perspective, here's probably the thought process people are going through. First off, he's basically a freshman, a first-year starter. Not a lot of data. And the last one you got, people are going to look more at the interception and fumbles just on a piece of paper than watching the game back and going, look at that throw. Look at that Brennan Thompson throw. Man, look at that. The second thing is you look at Oklahoma, and when you look at Heisman odds, you're going to also look at team win totals and go – Who has the chance to be the quarterback of an explosive offense of a team that's going to be playing on conference championship weekend? Because we know that that's what you look at for highest odds often. And and you look at it and go, hey, look at the SEC win totals that Oklahoma is also sitting at 7.5 by FanDuel. Texas is joint favorite uh, at 10.5 alongside Georgia. OU's got to play them, not in Norman. OU's got to play Alabama in Norman. But then Ole Miss, uh, Missouri, and LSU are all sitting in the – Eight and a half, nine and a half range. Those are all road games. Oh, by the way, Oklahoma has played Tennessee in an eight and a half. That's a home game. Like you just look at the schedule and go, what's a more sure bet? Quinn Ewers, who we've seen go through everything. He's going to have that pre existing in the mind of Heisman voters, stuff like that. Or Jackson Arnold, who we've seen five quarters, six quarters of football, basically. And you pair in the fact that what's the line he's going to be played behind. I, I think that that plays more into. Uh, where Jackson sits than like actual projecting what people think he's going to do this year as, as being what would be what, like the 13th best quarterback in the country or, or whatever. If you just went off the the preseason knots.
0: Yeah. I you're also- right about, you're hundred percent right about that because um, if if you look the teams, you mentioned Alabama, Missouri, uh, Missouri uh, Ole, uh, Ole Miss and LSU are all at nine and a half right now, according to this, uh, this uh, fan duel, Oklahoma's at seven and a half. Um, Heisman Trophy winner is not coming out of a seven-win team or an eight-win team. I told you guys what my first impression, my first reaction uh, to the schedule was eight and four. So what does that mean? I'm taking the over, right? At seven and a half, I'm, I'm taking eight and four. I'm pretty. I'm feeling better about that. The more you look at it, especially how how good could Jackson Arnold be? How good can the running game be? How good can Oklahoma be? when they've got five brand new starters on the offensive line. I mean, this is not going to be this is going to be a transition year for Oklahoma.
2: Yeah, I think the the offensive line um and you know when we when you know writing the piece for that that over under win totals, I kind of mentioned OU's got four or five new starters along the offensive line. I mean, that's going to be a completely new group other than, you know, maybe Troy Everett, probably Jacob Sexton, no one else that's going to play has started for OU on the offensive line. Um but I think that the the one aspect that if if you're going to say, you're going to look at OU's offense and say, this is where, this is how they're going to beat people. This is what's going to help Jackson Arnold. This that receiver core, because, you know, you look at a guy coming back in Nick Anderson, you look at if Andrell Anthony's able to come back healthy, you got Deion Burks through the transfer portal. Um, you know, you've got guys like Jaden Gibson, you've got some other young guys coming up through there that uh, Brennan Thompson, of course, that really showed some promise uh, this past year. And, um, you know, you have to think that those guys who weren't working with the first team, probably got a lot of reps in practice with Jackson Arnold. They probably have a really good relationship with him, probably have really good chemistry. And so if those receivers are able to take the next step forward, like you'd expect, you know, like a Nick Anderson, if Andrew Anthony's able to pick up where he left off, you have to think that's a pretty good receiver core for Jackson Arnold to, to throw to. If Bill Biedenboe can help figure out the offensive line in front of him, which seems like it'll probably be filled by a lot of transfers. Um, those guys, obviously at their past, they're, they're leaving their past schools for a reason. Uh, some of them, you know, perform better than others, but It'll be interesting to see um, if Biedenboe can get all those guys uh, into a cohesive unit, kind of form that chemistry.
0: Yeah, and our real quick, our, um, our series on uh, what Oklahoma is getting in the transfer portal, uh, we used um, people in the media as our sources, kind of get an ob- objective ob- observation from, you know, 30,000 feet view of these guys, you know, not necessarily up close and in the locker room with them and stuff like that, but just people who've been around them, people who've watched them, the four the four offensive line guys that uh, that beat got I'm not saying this myself I'm saying the the four guys that that beaten got did not get good reviews from the people that we talked to none of them so um uhwu uh did get uh, probably the highest I think gr- um just in terms of we like him the best he got the most glowing reviews uh but he comes from North Texas so Uh, we'll see, we'll see how they uh, are able to mesh all that.
1: Whether you're super optimistic or super pessimistic. I think the one totally fair thing either way is there are a ton of question marks like Mm -hmm. along the offensive line specifically. And so that can work out really well. That can work out really poorly. And I think that a lot of people, whether you're super high on the Sooners, you got the crimson colored glasses on, or you're more of a pessimistic human just by nature. That's me. Uh, you're going to look to that offensive line and just go, there's a bunch of unknown and a lot of what you're projecting this season is probably going to start and end with how you think that group's going to gel. And I think that that's a, a totally fair thing, whether you're super high or super low on Oklahoma's offense
2: this year. And if if I could, I'll just add this really quickly. The player that I think has the potential to be the best player on that offensive line this season is the one guy that's not through the portal. And that's Jacob Sexton.
0: I agree. Yes. Big sexy. They call him. Uh, Jake Sexton's really good and he's got a bright, bright future. And I I tell you what, a lot of those guys do a lot of those guys who have not yet played, I think have a bright future. So uh, we'll see if the transfer portal guys coming in can take snaps from guys who have, who have been in the system and are coming up. We'll see. Uh, If you're on Twitter, give us a follow at all underscore Sooners. I'm at John E Hoover. Ryan's at underscore Ryan Chapman. Ross is at Ross Lovelace, Randall is at Randall Suite 5, and the new guy Bryce is at uh, McKinnis Bryce BRYCE. So McInnes, McKinnis MCKINNIS. Uh, Bryce BRYCE. Website is allsooners.com, we're a foundation affiliate, part of the Sports Illustrated network, all free, no signups, no emails, no passwords. And if you want to advertise with us just drop me an email at allsoonerssi At gmail.com or just DM me on Twitter at John E. Hoover. Uh, Ryan, you covered hoops last night, 79 62 loss at Baylor. Woof. I kind of predicted that one. No surprise whatsoever. Lenardi had him going into the game as a six seed in the East, but Lenardi didn't know that John Hughley was going to miss the game. He didn't know that Rivaldo Suarez. Was going to be out with an ankle or going to uh, be in go down with an ankle injury. Um, I'm glad that Gallagher-Iba Arena, old Gallagher-Iba Arena, no longer rests as the number one most um, unesthetic view <laughs> for a for an OU road game. That now goes, that title now goes to Foster Pavilion from the uh, Baylor Bears. That was brutal. That angle is brutal. We do not need to watch basketball games from the catwalk. But, Ryan, your thoughts on the game last night?
1: Yeah. Thought number one Baylor's got to fix that in the offseason, find a new camera. Well, <laughs> number two, it, this was ugly, but you look at what Kansas did on Monday night. Look, uh, f- coming out of Bedlam, for me, the two, like if you rank the schedule from most likely to win to least likely to win, coming out of Bedlam, uh, this would have been my second least likely. Above only, like they're not going to go into Hilton and win. I don't think that's going to happen. I would say it's cooking. And certainly when Milo Susan has the amount of just sloppy turnovers, which has not been the case for him, that Oklahoma could not even throw in. I don't know if he even qualifies as an entry pass. Just trying to get it to the free throw line, but they it was lazy. It was ugly. That allowed uh, Baylor to get out in transition. They really got into a rhythm and then none just killed him. A guy that averaged 9.7 points per game coming in puts up a season high, uh, not a career high, but uh, he think he had 31 at VCU a couple years ago. But uh, yeah, it it just wasn't going to be Oklahoma's night once those three started to fall. And so the most important things is A, is Rivaldo Suarez. How bad is that ankle injury? Uh, It looked like an ankle injury, apparent ankle injury, nothing confirmed. B, Will they get John Hughley back? We probably have to wait until Friday at the earliest when we talk to Porter. Um, that's and even then, he may not have an answer because it's a banged up Kansas team. Obviously, if you've been watching the Big 12, no Kevin McCullough the last two games. If Kansas doesn't have McCullough, the only place they have a road win is in Galagheraiba, which is the worst team in the conference. It's a gettable game, as crazy as it is to say, Kansas coming to Norman is a gettable game for the Sooners, but. Got to take care of the basketball. Can't pass like that. And they got to have Rivaldo Soares certainly uh, really need John Hughley probably as well. I don't know how much you like the Northweather V Dickinson matchup can flush it. It can just be one bad game or it could be the start of a snowball as this is a very, very, very tough stretch. Kansas at home at Iowa state at Oklahoma state Cincinnati at home at Texas and, uh, there's one, Houston. Houston at home, obviously. Uh, th- that's the stretch left. Not pretty, but gotta take care of the basketball.
0: Women's basketball Sooners are 17 and six. They're 11 and one in first place in the conference by a game over Kansas uh, State. Uh, West Virginia is right behind those guys. They host Baylor tonight. Uh, OU is number 23. Baylor's number 21. But Sooners are 10 and two at home. Uh, Randall, sit tight. We're going to get to recruiting in just a sec, but I want to get. Um, Ryan to pitch the softball show again. Good, good content on the All Sooners softball show. Sooners, hey, look, they're number one and they're four and oh, right? That's uh, what it amounts to. Um, but the, uh, but the softball show itself is uh, doing quite well at allsooners.com.
1: Tuesdays and Thursdays, simple as that. Tuesday noon, allsooners.com. I recap everything that happened. Nicole Mendez is booked to join me next Tuesday already to recap the first two weekends. Thursdays, we talked to Patty Gasso and the players on Tuesdays. Thursdays, it's a nice little wrap-up of everything they said, preview of the weekend. So Tuesday, Thursday at noon, that's when it hits AllSooners.com. If you're watching this on YouTube, if you're a YouTuber, obviously it's on John Hoover Media on the YouTube channel as well. So stick with us. Plenty of guests lined up all throughout the season. It's been a ton of fun. I really enjoy doing it.
0: Quick thoughts on the 4-0 start, Ryan?
1: Yeah, Patty Gasso yesterday, she did what she normally does. Pull the team. How do you think you played? Got a lot of fours, a lot of fives. Guess what? Oklahoma playing at a four out of five out of 10. Beats number 11 Duke in a game where um, it probably should have been more. They left 10 runners on base, but Kelly Maxwell, once she settled in some early game nerves, awesome. Beats number seven Washington. Bad catcher's interference call. If uh, Oklahoma is probably shutting out Washington without that, none of Nicole May's runs were earned in that game. And then you get, Riley Ludlum, a transfer coming in, giving you an RBI. Riley Boone, I mean, what more could you want? We'll break it down more on the All Sooner Softball show, so head over there. But uh, not even out of first gear, and Oklahoma's already curb-stomping top 10 teams. Really Uh,
0: too bad about uh, Jordy Ball as well. Um, The way she came down on that front foot, uh, the front leg popped her ACL out for the season. She's going to redshirt and have surgery. What Patty said yesterday was very – uh, kind of poignant. She said when they were at the ho- at the uh, airport, they were flying home. There's Jordy Ball with the OU team. She said the last uh, memory they have together was being on stage singing with Toby Keith. So that, that whole thing just kind of hit me in the heart a little bit. That was really sad. Uh, Randall, let's talk some recruiting before we close this thing out. I talked with some 2026s last week at a 7v7. I guess it's called a 7-on-7. Seven seven. V is soccer. 7-on-7 seven seven is football um talked with some guys rylan morris running back out of honey grove um adam austin linebacker out of Lawton and mac and uh, colton yarborough big defensive end tight end wide receiver corner uh, kicker water boy out of uh, durant <sighs> rylan morris has an ou offer he got it the day before this thing um adam austin is visiting ou the freaks uh the future freak show on march 9th so we expect some possible good news out of that he's really good he's fun to watch but colton Yarbrough, the number one player in the state of oklahoma randall still does not have an offer from the number one program in the state of oklahoma oklahoma sooners have not offered him 6'5, 220 he runs an easy four five i would say he runs an easy four five maybe a sub slightly below Moves smooth catches passes Physical, broad shoulders, everything you want in a 2026 does not have an offer yet.
2: I think that um, OU is really waiting there to to kind of see what physically um, Colton's able to, to develop into. Uh, I think that um, this he's a kid that's still trying to figure out what position suits him best on the field. Uh, You know, in the previous two years, he's played a lot of defensive line, a lot of edge rusher, you know, with the long arms, you kind of mentioned he's about six, five, six, six right now. Um, So long arms uh, really got the body style of an edge this next season. You know, he's going to be a junior um, next season. Uh, I was told by his trainer that he's transitioning to playing mostly tight end. Um, And so uh, when he came to the OU camp this summer, he was really um, buddy, buddy with Miguel Chavis. I saw them um, talking to each other a lot. I saw Miguel Chavis kind of taking him up coaching him under his wing. Now it seems like if he's going to focus more on tight end, that maybe Joe John Finley would take the lead there. So I think that OU is really kind of waiting to see uh, physically, um, positionally where um, Colton um, kind of fits best. And to see if that skill set that he has really does fit in Norman with, um, with what the Sooners want, obviously, uh, you know, he was teammates with Dayday uh, Day Sims down at Durant, uh, a guy who OU was, was hard after and ended up going to Oregon. Um, and so I think that, um, I think the OU is really waiting to see um, how this one plays out. And I, and I think that um, obviously it's a name to keep an eye on, but I think that we'll, we'll have to see how he kind of fits what yeah. this next season brings for him. Zadavian
0: Sims broke OU's heart, kind of left him at the altar a little bit um, and and kind of soiled um, some opinions of C4 Sports and Sean Cooper and so on and so forth. And here's the deal. These guys know that. Everybody knows that. Um, it's all out there and everybody knows how you know hurt feelings and all that. Um, he's not going to visit again. Here's what, here's what he told me. He's not going to visit OU again. He's been there a dozen times almost. Uh, He's not going to visit until he gets the offer. So we'll see, um, how that shakes out over the next six, eight, 10, 12 months. Um, we'll, we'll drop it right there, guys. I want to say thanks to you guys for jumping on here. And I want to say thanks for listening. We'll be back next week on the All Sooners podcast which you can find anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, it's also posted on our website, allsooners.com. Just click on the player and listen on your phone, your tablet, or your computer. And all our shows are on my YouTube channel, John Hoover Media, as well. For Ryan Chapman, for Randall Sweet, and I'm John Hoover. See you guys.